Hi, so welcome to the first episode in season two of Stress Bucket Solutions. Here we go. Um, we're talking in this whole season about the barriers to therapy. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is what are those barriers? What is it that you are feeling is not working for you right now? What stops you getting the help that you need. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to include a previous episode we did on this. So it's worth going over that as well. But I want to add to it a little bit today. Um, let's face it, we're, we're all changing. We're all doing things that are different all the time. So I'm going to update it a little bit, but I will include it as, as I recorded it at that time. But let's give you a bit more background on it. So before you have therapy, what is stopping you getting the help that you need? So I talked in the trailer about, you know, this, the, the stigma around mental health. Yes, there is. But also, I think where we are right now is definitely come down. The other thing we can look at is like you don't have to advertise your mental health. You don't have to talk about your mental health. You don't have to do this, but you need to get help. If you're one of those people, and I know there's many people that listen to this podcast, keeping it quiet, keeping it to themselves, that's absolutely fine. Or you're, I, a lot of my clients who I see, they don't tell anyone that they're seeing me. I can't get enough reviews because people don't want to put the reviews out there and identify themselves. And you know what? That's absolutely fine. It's very personal. It's very private. So you don't need to advertise the fact that you have anxiety. And equally, you don't have to advertise the fact that you're getting therapy. You just need to do it. You just need to find that strength within you that what is it that is going to help you do that if you want to create change. What I've often found with a lot of my clients is once they feel better, we've emptied their stress bucket, then they will talk about it. They'll, they'll talk about it more with friends and family then because they're feeling better. And actually, that's probably a better place to talk about it from as well, because they're much more objective and rational. So if you're concerned about the stigma of mental health or the stigma of getting therapy, guess what? You don't have to tell anyone if you don't want to. A lot of my clients don't, and I absolutely respect their privacy. I have a lot of people who refer their friends or family members. I can't talk at all about that other person's therapy and their journey or anything. I, I behave as if I've never, I don't know anything about them. If I see people in the street, and this is to anyone, if I see you ever in the street, I won't acknowledge you until you acknowledge me. Because I don't know who you're with and I don't want you to feel pressured into saying, oh, this is Jean. And then the next question becomes, oh, hi, Jean, what do you do? And I have to say, oh, I'm a therapist. And you, yeah, I wouldn't ever want that to happen to you. So until you acknowledge me, I won't acknowledge you. I'm like, you know, I'll just look at you, but I will wait until you give me the nod. So you can be absolutely private about it. Now, another thing that people talk about is... Um, or the, the reason for, for not stopping getting the help that you need is, will it work? Of course. Like, you know, such an obvious question. Is, will it work? Now, everybody's mind is different. I put this in my T's and C's. I cannot guarantee that it will work. I can't guarantee that for any of my clients. The mind is a hugely fascinating thing. Everybody's mind is different. I cannot guarantee results. What I can guarantee is I will do the best job possible for you. I will work my hardest to get you there. And all therapists will say that. But you've got to take a leap of faith. The thing is, it will work. And you've seen it with my clients or heard it from my clients that it, it does work because they are totally committed to the pro process. They've got to the, this point where they've said, this has to work. This has to work for me. And that's your intelligent brain taking control again. 
It's saying, I want to do this. I've got this faith in this process. And that's where I ask people, do your homework on any therapist. Do your homework. Have they written any books? Have they got any blogs? Do they come recommended? Do you, Have they got a podcast? What can you do in it? Even if you can't get much on that therapist, what about their modality of the way that they work? Is it CBT? Is it analytical therapy? Is it solution focused? What would appeal to you? So do your homework. I've said this a few times before, and I will say it again now. My clients that make the biggest difference and the quickest difference often in the first session, they start to feel better and they start to sleep better and their anxiety goes down, are the ones that have absolutely binged this podcast, have read my blogs and have even bought my book. You don't have to write my book. As you know, I've read it out on here before, but they've totally conned on to this process. They're like, this is appealing to me. Now, if you've listened to a few episodes and you're not like them, that's absolutely fine. You look for another another type of therapy, another self-help place, another podcast, maybe someone who speaks differently. Sometimes I speak a little bit quickly. People don't like that. They want a gentler approach. Absolutely not a problem, but do your research, do your homework. Because those people that come to me have said they've loved everything I've either written about or on my social media. And I often have people that come on board with me and say, oh, Jen, I feel like I already know you because I've just listened to your voice so much in the podcast. And that's great. So already the trust is there because that's what you've got to do. You've got to trust your therapist and you've got to trust their therapy and it's got to appeal to you. Solution focused work doesn't appeal to everyone. People sometimes do want to talk about their problems of the past or a trauma. They, they need to get back there and, and talk about that and relive it and make sure that they've seen that properly and they want to analyze it. That's absolutely fine. There's no criticism at all. But do your homework if that's the kind of, the, uh, and that's a, a great example. If that's what you need, then I'm not the therapist for you. And solution focus work definitely isn't. So have a think and do your homework and take your time with that as well. There's no rush, but that should help you make a decision. And lastly, before we recap the episode that I did before about what stops you getting the help you need, because all of that is still relevant and I do want to include it here. I also, um, you know, want to talk a little bit about the money side of things. Okay. Now, getting therapy on the NHS is a political argument right now. I don't want to go into that. So I would love to work for the NHS. The NHS recommends six sessions of CBT after a very long waiting list. And that is it. You're done. I don't agree with that. And it's going to be a long time before that changes. The NHS has got lots to deal with. So that is a separate argument that I don't want to talk about right now. I wish it would change. I know a lot of therapists would all be happy to do one or two days with the NHS and and do the work. But like everyone, we also need to get paid as well. So if the NHS wants to employ me, if anyone's listening, I'd be happy to do that. The thing is, the NHS also comes with a lot of other bureaucracy and hoops to jump through. And actually, I'm not prepared to do that. I want to work with clients who want to create change. I want to create change with people and get their mental health better. I don't want to be dealing with bureaucracy as well. I don't need that for my own mental health. So When we're looking at the cost of therapy, I do appreciate where you're coming from. It's not, 
it's not cheap. It's not expensive. I, I don't know. I don't want to call it. I don't want to put it into a category, but this is an investment in yourself. I see a lot of people going on holiday for their mental health, doing lots of other leisure activities for their mental health. If something is giving you lasting benefit, please carry on doing it. But there is no better investment you can make than in yourself. And look at costs of different therapies. Now, I also know of a lot of um, students who are working for free or half price because they need case studies. And even when I've offered that to people, they still don't take it. So unfortunately, now I'm not using money so much as an argument. I'm not accepting that so much because I do see when people are struggling with money and I'll say, look, here's, um, I've got, I know a student hypnotherapist, a student solution focused therapist or a student psychologist. They're looking for case studies. Do you want to go on board with them? I'll give you their details. And they're just not contacted. So that is, that is quite far down the list, I would say, of these barriers to therapy that we are spending a lot of money on lots of other things and lots of other things that are giving us short-term relief for our mental health. This is an investment. So my clients do invest with me and this is why I've created a 10-week program. In that 10-week program, I always give you as many sessions as you need. So I don't go by a session-by-session basis because that means what are you paying? 60, 70, 80 pounds per session. You don't know when it's going to end. I know people who have done that for six years spending 60, 70 pounds per session. They're quite happy to do that. But when I talk about my whole package and how much it costs, which is currently in July, 2023 is 895 pounds. The price is going to go up because I create a package for people. When I look at that and I've got clients who have seen me for my 10 week program and then are flying and don't need to see me again. It's a complete program. It's an investment in yourself. I do not want you to go into debt over it. So if, if you're like me, I'm old fashioned. I will save up money before I buy something. I don't do anything on credit. So please be careful. And that's why I put out this podcast. That's why I've got free blogs. That's why my, all my social media remains free. The, co- the lowest cost thing you can get is my book, which is $9.99. So I'm not asking you to spend loads of money on it, but if you want to work one-to-one with someone, it, it requires them to be remunerated. Any therapist, they're all doing great jobs. We need that. Even if we were through the NHS, we would be getting paid by the NHS, which, you know, that comes from taxes. So please consider an investment in yourself. Don't go into debt over it, but like I said, I've, I've referred many, many people to student therapists and they're still not taken up on that. So a free, a free service and you're still not taking it up. And I also know um, uh, some therapists who work in the NHS and they say they have a lot of no-shows. So that, although yes, I can see is a barrier to getting um, mental health help. And that is again, another political argument of, of where we are. The thing is we can rail against that but nothing's going to change in that time. You're still struggling with your mental health. So we're here to help, but consider it an investment in yourself. So that's a huge one. And that's something I didn't talk about in the last podcast episode on this. So I wanted to add it today. Maybe that just comes with confidence, with time, with more experience, but I'm being quite candid with you about this. And I don't, my aim isn't to offend anyone here, but it it is something to consider that yes, anything we do requires an investment. The reason I ask for 
and, and a lot of a lot of therapists I know have started doing this. They ask for payment in in full before sessions begin, is so that it also creates a commitment to your sessions, and that's part of therapy. We're getting you to take back control. I'm letting you know this is how it's going to work. If you've paid for a session or a course, you're more likely to go. We've got to kind of hit a slight pain point for you to say, yep, this, this, I've made a commitment here. This is a commitment. So I've committed my time and I've committed my personal values and I've committed financially as well. That's actually the first step to therapy. You have met, you are making the commitment. Now, lastly, from my therapist's point of view, what I'm doing is I'm sitting here, I'm offering you medicine for your mental health. If solution focus work is a good fit for you. So what I'm doing here is I'm saying, look, here's medicine, but you're not taking it. That is really hard for me to deal with. I, it really gets me quite emotional when if you've booked a call with me and then you cancel it because you don't want to. I'm like, oh, I, I really would have loved to have spoken to you. But that just means you're not ready. So if you're not ready, that's absolutely fine. But don't waste time because what else have you tried? You would be no worse off. If you tried it and it didn't work, if you just, it's just about taking that leap of faith. So I hope I haven't sounded bossy or condescending or anything, you know, especially, you know, money is an emotional subject to talk about as well. I don't want to rile anyone here, but there's lots of points to consider of that reason of, you know, what is stopping you getting the help that you need when there is a lot of information out there, a lot of help. If it's confusing, try and filter it out, ask someone to help you. But, and and if it gets too confusing, you know, stop listening to things. Don't force yourself. If someone, if your best friend loves my podcast and they've recommended it to you and you don't like it, that's absolutely fine. Okay. Just don't listen to it anymore. Don't confuse yourself. If there's some, another podcast or another book or another modality that you like, do your research on that. There will be a therapist in your area. There will be someone you can speak to. You start with the GP. You ask for help. I've no problem with people going on medication to start off with. But please don't stop yourself getting the help that you need. So I'm going to add in here now the episode we did on this, on on what stops you getting the help that you need. But I hope this intro has added on to that for you a bit as well and is going to give you more points to consider. And it also helps keep us in this subject and keeping this episode longer, which I know some people said they just wanted some longer episodes. But we'll keep our mind on this subject so that you can really think about it and, and have some self-reflection after this, after you've listened to this podcast to say, what is it? If you're something stopping you getting the help that you need, that's something for you to examine and could, you know, social media or a self-help book or could something answer your question? You know, you know, we shouldn't rely on Google too much, but there comes a time it is really, really handy as well. So like I said, when I, I'm going to go and buy a toaster, I will be researching that toaster and Google really helps for that. So you know, good luck in your therapy journey. Um, But I hope this episode helps you start to think a little bit and maybe take a leap of faith with a therapist to improve your own life and improve your own mental health. Hi, welcome to another episode of Stress Bucket Solutions. I'm Jin Lally. I don't know if I'm going to keep saying that now. You know, it's me by now, don't you? So, um, 
I'm just going to jump straight into episodes. Let's face it, I'm sitting here at my desk, as I've always said. I haven't got any technical equipment. I'm just recording this uh, on my laptop with my normal headset. So I'm just going to jump straight in. If you've been listening for this many episodes, you'll know it's me by now. Uh, Today's uh, episode is about why do people not get the help they need? What, What is going on? If we were ill in another way, if we had a cold or a flu, if you're anything like me, I'm straight for the Lensip. Other hot lemon drinks are available. Um, but I'm, all, I'm there with the paracetamol. I'm there getting something to, you know, if I get a really bad headache, uh, I will definitely try and help myself with some painkillers. And if I was even more sick than that, I would definitely go to the doctor to say, right, I need something on prescription. But with mental health, people, they're still reluctant to get help. Now, this might be related to you. This might be with someone you know. So I hope this might help you understand if there's people in your life that you're thinking they really need to get help, what is stopping them? I wanted to talk a little bit about that today because there are reasons that I see often. So often I will have uh, a lot of people follow me on social media. They ask a few questions here and there. I might met them in networking and they'll say, oh, I, I must get, I must come and see you or I must get my brother to come and see you. Or, I must get my child to come and see you or my mum to come and see you. And I'll always say that's fine, but they need to come and see me. And I never hear anything about them again. And that kind of really upsets me because there is help out there, but they are not getting help, these people. So let's think today about why that happened so that you can have some empathy with these people, first of all, because I definitely empathize when people, you know, aren't ready to get help and or something's stopping them. But on the other, when I first qualified, this used to really bother me that like, oh, I could, I could really help someone. I've learned to just step back a little bit and just sort of wait. There is only so much you can do to help people. It is a collaborative effort. This is like someone who's really, really sick, but they won't go to the doctor. You know, this is exactly the same. Help is out there. It's just trying to find the right kind of help, isn't it? So let's look at a few points. First of all, the fear and the shame and the stigma. Naturally, we know about that. You know, there's still this stigma around it, unfortunately. It's not as bad as it was a few years ago, I will admit. But, you know, we're still not there. And I feel that the stigma comes from, one, you are saying that you're, are you you saying that you're weak? that you can't cope. I don't think that's right. We, we all live in stressful times. But I think from my point of view, one of the things that I'm hearing a lot is, and people are still surprised, that you don't have to go over your past. So people have this fear that we're going to start digging up things in the past, maybe things that you've buried a long time ago, or we're going to find out new things about you. Or you're going to find out new things about yourself or go over your problems. You know, I can understand the fear. I mean, that's not something I would want to do. I appreciate the past. You know, it's got me to where, where I am now. But for me, it's about I want to change. I want to get better. I want to move forward. And the analogy I use here um, sometimes is going to a restaurant if you're hungry. Okay, go, go, go with me on this. Okay, like you're wondering which direction I'm going off in, you know, I'll go off on a tangent now and again. Now, if you were really, really hungry, and you went to a restaurant, and the waiter said to you, okay, why are you hungry? When did this hunger start? 
What can we do about hunger? What are the other times you've been hungry? If there was a lot of examination and chat about why you're hungry, you would probably get up and walk out of that restaurant, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be eating there. What you want is a solution. You want to go in there. I'm hungry. You know, please serve me with this is what I've chosen off the menu. And the waiter brings you that over. The waiter says, what do you want to eat? So you know what the problem is. You want the solution. And that's why I love the solution focused approach. So I'm on a bit of a mission to educate people that there are many different types of therapy and solution focused work will not make you go over your past. It will not dig up into problems. It will not make anything resurface. It's about finding a solution to how you're feeling right now and feeling a lot better quickly and easily and hopefully enjoyably as well. So that fear or shame or stigma around it, we need to start talking about therapy as a coaching way, in a solution focused way. Just I'm struggling a bit in a minute. I want to get better. We were ad- we admire anyone that works to get better. We don't blame them for their illness. We know that right they're doing something about it. And that's the first point I wanted to make. So that fear, shame, stigma, the solution focused approach, I feel solves that. Another reason people don't get help, because they feel their problems not serious enough. They're like, oh, well, you know, I'm managing. Isn't everyone busy? Isn't everyone stressed right now? Isn't everyone worried? Now, this is where you have to take a long, hard look at yourself and get a little bit honest. How long can that carry on? Those small signs over a long period of time will really build up. So when we talk about depression and anxiety and anger, I mean, this is when things have been prolonged, clinical depression, generalized anxiety, and, you know, anger management issues, they didn't turn up overnight. The very, very early signs of those are things like low mood, procrastination, being overly pessimistic, being really worrying all the time when people give themselves that label, I'm a worrier, a lack of motivation. And with anger as well, like you don't have to have full bone anger, but you can get a little bit grumpy. You've got really short fuse consistently over a long period of time. You just can't get a hold of your emotions. These small early signs do not ignore them. If you think your problem is not serious enough to get help, I would suggest you ask your friends and family who can be honest with you. That am I performing at my best? Are you getting the best out of me? If you're not giving your best to people, something is stopping you. Your stress bucket is starting to fill up. So do not think that your problem's not serious enough. And if anything, it's easier to deal with those problems before they get huge. Don't wait until it gets serious. I mean, anger management, do not wait until something awful happens before you deal with it. There's got to be some early signs. There will always be early signs. Full-blown clinical depression doesn't happen overnight. It's a slow, gradual buildup of symptoms. And anxiety, you know, we can feel a little bit anxious doing very nervous, nerve wracking things like sitting exams or, you know, doing a presentation. You are going to have a bit of anxiety, but if that anxiety is starting to take over your whole life 
at the weekends, it stop, it interferes with your life, with your children, with your family, then you need to do something about it. So don't wait until that problem's serious enough. And when is enough? A therapist will always say, great, you've recognized your problems. Let's deal with that. So you feel like you're relying and you're managing as you are. So don't worry about the hard work that, that will be involved. Remember, solution-focused work uh, helps with that. Don't worry about your problems not serious enough. Any therapist would help with that as well. Another reason I suppose people find that they can't get help is those practical barriers, the access. Now, that's probably going to go more into a political conversation. The NHS struggling at the moment, so you can't get help there. Um, otherwise, going privately, the cost barriers, the practical barriers. So the way, you know, our social structure is, it just, it's very, very difficult to find someone. How do you find someone? However, there is lots of information out there. Start easy. This podcast, having a think about books, talking to people, support groups. There's lots of people and charities that are doing some amazing work out there. You know, rely, unfortunately, we can't rely on our GP and getting referred that quickly right now. By all means, go and get on a waiting list. But while you're on that waiting list, see what you can do for yourself. Try to have that conversation with people as well. So I do appreciate the practical barriers, the access, the social issues that go around trying to get help as well. Like I said, that's more of a political conversation, but it is a reason that stops people getting help. Uh, and I, I really understand that. If you know anyone that has access to a smartphone that can listen to this podcast, please feel free. I've written blogs. If you can get internet access, you know, blogs are all there as well. If you if you can't get access to the internet, libraries, use the library. Like, I'm a big fan of libraries. Everything there is for free. Books, you can get books there. You can get audio books if you need to, them to be more accessible as well. So, you know, that we need to start getting creative about how we can overcome these barriers because, yes, the NHS is struggling and we can complain, sit and complain about that as much as we want, but nothing's going to change. In the meantime, someone is struggling with anxiety or depression. We need to help with some solutions now and do what we can. And that is the main reason I started recording this podcast as well, just to get some information out there. Now, lastly, the reason people stop getting help. And I think this is the biggest one for me. And, and it really bothers me is when people identify themselves with the problem. One of the questions I ask in that initial phone call is how long can you carry on like this? How long can you carry on with this problem? And I ask a solution focused question around that saying, right, if you didn't have this problem, what would your life be like? And sometimes the answer I've had to that question is, Jin, I cannot imagine myself without this problem. I have been managing for so long, I guess I could carry on managing with this problem. And that answer just makes me so sad. It just breaks my heart because you've now identified yourself or labeled yourself with that problem as being that person with depression, with anxiety, with anger management issues, with phobias, with fears. But it doesn't have to be that way. 
there must have been a time in your life when you didn't have this problem. And even if that was in childhood where you were happy, there must have been a time in your life when you were happy, when you were doing things, when you didn't have anxiety, when you didn't have depression. It's just the way the brain functions. There's another part of your brain, the intelligent brain, where you are rational and in control and you can deal with life's issues from there as well. So when you start to identify yourself with the problem, you're this will hinder you getting help because you going back to what I was first, my first few points, you've started just feeling that you're managing, you know, you're coping, your problem isn't serious enough. It's just everybody feels like that. So all these things, all these barriers to getting help are out there and there's probably lots more. I mean, please feel free to send me a message. What other things can you think that, you know, stop people getting help? I've, I've tried to cover these. These are the most common ones that I come across with and it's it, I tend to come across them because I'll speak to clients, but they don't come on board or they don't want help and they I know they've not gone anywhere else as well. I will say that. So I'm not saying that you have to come on board with me, but people say, oh, no, I'm just managing. And that's what I've heard, even when I've got in touch with people to say, oh, you know, you, you gave me a call a month ago. Um, how are you getting on? Is there any other way I can help? And I say, oh, no, I'll, I'll just carry on for a little bit longer. I'm all right. I felt a bit better the next day, Jin. And you will feel a bit better the next day after speaking to me. But how long can that carry on if you're just managing? So I hope today's episode helps you empathize with people that you might know in your life that are scared of getting help. Because if they've identified the problem, they can't imagine themselves without the problem. You know, they've got fear, they've got shame, they're managing the best they can. And they've got other practical, you know, social barriers to getting access to help. Then, you know, it's just something that we need to start changing in the world. If you can help someone change, if you can support someone and empathize with someone, that's probably the first step of helping someone get the help that they need. So I hope today's episodes helped you understand that. And it's an important topic I wanted to talk about as well. Remember, you can follow me on all the social medias. All the links are in the show notes. Don't forget, you can read my book. You can listen to my book on previous episodes of the podcast. And if you've got a subject you want me to talk about, please just send me a message because I, I know it's hard to believe, but I can run out of things to say sometimes. And I want to make sure that I'm talking about things that are relevant, that you would find useful. I'll go back to going to some solution focused theory sometimes as well. Uh, and I hope that helps you. Um, but please um, have a, th- a think about making sure that you're taking action, not just listening to the podcast, but trying to put some of these tips and techniques and solution focused questioning into your everyday life uh, as well. So I hope that that helps you. Um, You can follow me, like I said, on all the social medias, but there's also my online video course. If you want some absolutely specific help, you can do that. You don't have to come on with me as a client one-to-one. I do see a lot of clients. I'm pretty busy at the moment. That is your choice. But I will tell you one thing that my clients that make the biggest progress are the ones that have done their homework on me. They have listened to the podcast, just like you're listening to it. They've read all my blogs. They follow me on social media. They've read my book. Once they come on as a client, they make huge progress. But to me, they've already done a lot of the groundwork. So just by listening to this podcast, I hope that you feel you're doing some groundwork to help yourself as well. 
So I look forward to seeing you next time and hearing about all your good things. That's my sign off for every session. I say that so that it sets people up to start looking out for the good things in their week. So remember to look out for the good things in your week. Remember to do your three P's and get some good sleep to empty that stress bucket as well. Until next time, take care. Thank you.